0: Hi, everybody.
1: Welcome you to Howard David Live. We're taking a bite of the NFL. You know, it's interesting. We're, t- we're bringing in Jason Cole, longtime NFL writer. Here it is six days away from the end of the NBA season. The baseball season is starting today. And all anybody wants to talk about is where Lamar Jackson is going. <laughs> it seems pretty clear, unless I missed my guess. Correct me if I'm wrong. But doesn't look like he's going to be playing for Baltimore.
0: No, I think he's going to be playing for Baltimore. Do you? Uh, I don't think he has any other choices, and he's not going to get what he wants. And the little shenanigans he played yesterday are completely meaningless because he's already available in trade. Like, like that's the joke of this. Like, everybody made a big deal that he asked for a trade, dude. They granted that to you already go out and get one you're you're available as an as a non-exclusive free agent to go anywhere you want if you can get the contract from them um and yes there's a trade value it's going to be two first round picks but that can be negotiated down that's what people are missing in this is yesterday okay it was news that you know he wants a divorce you have to but in this game you have to have a new partner (laughs) you you have to have somebody who wants to take you and right now he's got nobody he's not at his price and not and and especially not at that price plus what they have to trade for him so you know i don't i don't know what he's thinking well he's
1: getting the wrong advice from someplace isn't he
0: well this is what you happens when you know when you when you represent yourself you have a fool for a client that's the old saying right you don't have somebody who can tell you, "Hey, by the way, you're wrong," or "This path is not going to work." What he has is his mother, who, you know, God bless her. She helped him get this far, and she's been a great counselor and great advisor to him for his entire life, no doubt about that. But there's a difference between guiding your your son through his life and setting a moral compass and a pathway, and making monetary decisions based on factors that you're not expert about. You're not an expert in the collective bargaining agreement. You're not an expert in the career span of quarterbacks who run as much as your son, which is to say they don't last, right? Like Pam Newton has nine 100 rush seasons in his career. That's the most eventing quarterback. He was essentially done after eight years of his career. So if you're gonna play this way, the way that Lamar Jackson plays, guess what? You're going to have a short career. And if you get to year five and you're about to get to year six, some team that looks at this and does the numbers and crunches it is going to say, why am I going to give this guy a five-year contract when I'm almost certain he's not going to get to the end of it?
1: It's interesting that when John Harbaugh was asked about it yesterday, uh, he basically said, he said all the right things. You know, I, I Lamar Jackson's a great quarterback. I wanted to be with our team and so on. I haven't seen his, twit, uh, his tweet uh, <laughs> or his twit. Uh, and I'm just wondering, you know, uh, there's got to be some kind of a strategy. And now I realize we're only at the end of March. So a lot more has to happen. But when asked about it, um, uh, about this whole Lamar Jackson situation, uh, the, the the Jets hierarchy basically said, you know, we're not even discussing this. We're we're going to sign Aaron Rodgers. We're going to trade for him, and mm-hmm. that's the end of that. Look, we're in an immediate society, Jason. We want something to happen now.
0: Uh, of course, the Aaron yeah.
1: Rodgers, yeah, the Rodgers thing is not happening now. Is there any right. reason of
0: concern
1: if you're a Jet?
0: Well, until you have him, you don't have him. right? So, right. I mean, that's just the truth of the j- situation. So, yeah, you're. You're worried until the deal is finalized, but it's going to get finalized. And in the case of Lamar Jackson, same kind of thing. He's going to end up – there's going to be some resolution because he's going to play football next year because there's nothing else in this world that's going to pay him $30-plus plus million just like Aaron Rodgers is not going anywhere else in this world to make $60 million next year. The only place he's going to do that is on a football field, and it's going to be with the New York Jets. Cause he's already made that decision. That's fine, but you got to work out the deal. And if one side is trying to be, you know, unreasonable about this, then it's going to be, it's going to last longer. Um, and I say that because one of the things that both sides is, are worried about the jets less so, but the Packers more so is the perception of what they get. And that's why, like, Brian Gutekunst yesterday or the day before, I can't remember when it was, said, be prepared that we're not going to get a first-round draft pick for Aaron Rodgers, all right, because the Jets are holding firm that they're not going to pay that kind of price because they know that they have control of the situation, all right? Well, that's going to make the Packers look bad because all their – look, I think that every Packers fan is probably looking at this going, oh, we'll get a treasure trove for Aaron Rodgers. No, you're probably not. You're probably getting a second-round pick plus something or a second-round pick that can become a first if they win a Super Bowl or something like that. Um, So it's going to be very, very conditional. And the Packers are going to have to deal with that level of embarrassment that they didn't get what they thought they were supposed to get.
1: Jason, let me ask you about uh, Derek Carr is already hooked up with New Orleans. Uh, There are a lot of Jet fans who are hoping he'd come to the Jets. Let's face it, he's got eight years – More in the league to play than Aaron Rodgers does. Mm -hmm. Uh, it probably won't cost him as much. Uh, you wonder is he, uh, would he have been the right answer or did Woody Johnson say, No, I want Aaron Rodgers?
0: Well, two things number one, I don't think Derek Carr. Look, I think this is going to be a challenge mentally for Aaron Rodgers to play in New York because he's going to get criticism unlike anything he's ever experienced. Um, on a national level um, and he's not gonna have a, a friendly media. I mean, the Green Bay media is not as vicious as the New York media, let's just face facts, right? So he's gonna get a lot more criticism and he's, and he's probably gonna be crying on Pat Pat McAfee's show uh, a fair amount um, along the way. But if you put Derek Carr in New York, I think that would have been worse. Like he's not ready for, he's not ready for that at all. Um, that's a California kid who's, you know, just, no. It wouldn't work. Um, so that's number one. Number two, Derek Hart is not a good cold-weather quarterback. <laughs> like, go look up the stats. Like, a lot of fumbles, a lot of interceptions, a lot of bad play in cold-weather games. That doesn't work in December and January in New York. So, um, you know, he's better being a domed stadium or warm-weather quarterback. That's just That's just fact based on his career. So, no, they would not have been better off going – And getting Derek Carr for those two very obvious reasons, especially the cold weather part of it. Um, But I think Aaron Rodgers is the right guy to go get because he'll probably snarl and be angry for an entire season and play really good football because he's going to be pissed off at the Packers. He's going to be pissed off the media. He's going to be wanting to prove that he's a great quarterback still. I think for one year, this works with Aaron Rodgers. Look, we, we both know uh, that when you win in New York,
1: there's nothing like it, because you can be criticized in New York, but when you win, I mean, the sky's the limit, not only financially, but just the recognition factor. Uh, you know, you're hailed, uh, you're the next great conquering hero. So if he's able to get the Jets into the playoffs, and I hear silly things like, well, you know, they're a contender for the Super Bowl. Stop that. Let, let's talk about realism. I and mean, realism is he does make them a playoff contender.
0: Well, I think, you know, I think he makes them a Super Bowl contender. I think that's fair. I mean, there, now there's some other things that have to fall into place. and But, at least look, he puts them on the level quarterback-wise of what Buffalo has, what Cincinnati has, what Kansas City has, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and probably better, more experienced than what the Chargers have, right? And you better have a great quarterback in the AFC. So, From that standard, he puts them in the discussion. Are there other things that have to happen in order for them to to get there? Yes, Brees Hall has to be healthy. They've got, you know, all all the other things that go into any team making a Super Bowl run. They've got to continue to improve their personnel, blah, 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 blah. The defense has got to get there. But by himself, like they were nearly a quarter, nearly a playoff team last year, right? Even with some of the worst quarterback play in the league quarterback play that was to the point of being embarrassing and so embarrassing that they had to go and get this guy so if they're that close now you know rogers i think definitely makes them a playoff content a playoff team and a possible super bowl contender are they number one in that no they're not they're number three or four or five but i'll take that
1: Look, the Jets have made every – every look, they've made, made, made moves with their roster. Uh, they've cut players. They've also picked up a player. They picked up Hardman from Kansas City, who's a solid receiver, and, oh, by the way, a kick returner, which uh, replaces Braxton Berrios, who they released. Uh, they've also picked up Lazard, who uh, Aaron Rodgers wanted, by the way. They've got Garrett Wilson. Corey Davis, I'm not so sure he's going to be on the opening day roster, but we'll see. But you're right about Brees Hall. He showed enough flashes before he got injured last year. And then there's a couple of guys that are out there that the Jets have been linked to. Ezekiel Elliott has been linked to the Jets, one of many teams. Uh, Odell Beckham Jr. has been linked to the Jets, (laughs) along with a lot of other teams. But, you know, I'm glad to see the laughter response because that's the same one. I had the same feeling about Odell Beckham Jr. that I have about Kyrie Irving.
0: I don't want that kind of player in my locker Oh, I'm going to disagree with you on this. I think Odell loves a big stage and he loved LA and he loved being on a contender and you put a big spotlight on Odell. Odell's going to want to perform and he's got a quarterback who he's has to respect in Aaron Rodgers. So I don't mind the Odell Beckham signing if they do that. Okay. Um, But I would also say this. I only want one or two of those kind of guys on my team. And if you give me Odell and you give me Zeke, who's definitely past his prime. Now is is Zeke who wants to prove something and go to New York and, and, and you know, really show up the Cowboys. I maybe take that guy for, again for one season. I'm happy with that, you know, um, that, that, push that incentive that anger lasts for a brief period of time. So, but, but I'll say out of those two guys, Odell's the guy I want more. Cause if he's healthy and a lot depends on a rides on how healthy is he? Um, the only problem is look, he's going to want more money than Lazard got. Or, you know, you're going to want the possibility of making more money than Lazard. That's been a hangup for him already. And justifiably like if Lazard's making $11 million a year, And Jacoby Myers is making $11 million a year. I don't blame Odell for asking for more than that. I just don't know that he's going to get it.
1: Look, their knees, uh, Jason, are still, they need to fill the offensive line. Uh, They get the 13th pick in the draft. So I'm sure that they'll pick an offensive lineman with that choice. uh, Because unless you can keep Aaron Rodgers upright, the rest of it is a moot point. But having said all of that, uh, I look at at the whole landscape of the AFC, as you will agree, much stronger than the NFC. More teams to deal mm-hmm. with. So here's Aaron Rodgers going from the safety of the NFC to he's got to, he's going to have to deal with a fist fight in the AFC.
0: Yeah, look, I don't think Aaron Rodgers is scared of anybody else. No, yeah. no, no, he's not. Like he's looking at this, and he'll he'll be up for that fight. Yeah, the the problem you have with Aaron Rodgers is he he's not the guy. He believes he's in control now. He thought he was in control of the Packers the last couple of years, and had and he had them leveraged, and that started to play out in the relationship that you saw on the field with the head coach, right? Like he's snarling at the head coach. He was rolling his eyes at certain calls like after they blew playoff games, right? Um, He was undermining authority. And by undermining authority publicly, that allows for your teammates and other players to undermine authority within the confines of the locker room and the the facility. So it it, it had gotten to the point where it had gone sideways. My concern with Aaron Rodgers is: is he still going to undermine authority in New York? You know, publicly, um, is he going to thumb his nose? I mean, he, he's even done this to the league. You know, the whole COVID thing. You know, where he pretended that he had been, you know, taken a shot and hadn't. That whole kerfuffle that they had, where he basically lied about his status. Um, you know, that's that's him thinking that he's bigger and more important. Than the powers that be. And that's a dangerous quality in football. Football is about everybody falling in line and playing together for a common cause and suffering together. I don't think that Aaron Rogers likes the suffering together aspect of football much anymore.
1: But let me ask you this, uh, based on what you know of Aaron Rodgers, the character and so on, uh, one of the things he's going to be charged with is trying to mentor Zach Wilson because <laughs> yeah, you know and and that yeah it, 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 that's uh, uh we saw zach wilson last year he's got a little growing up to do amongst other things uh but here's here's aaron Rodgers, who's not there yet but when he comes in everybody's going to expect him to be that mentor that guider that that leader on the field and in the locker room so here you have uh,
0: aaron Rodgers. who uh, 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 one- uh, look, look howard i hate to interrupt but Aaron Rodgers is not there to mentor Zach Wilson. Zach Wilson is there. They think he is. No, they can say that all they want. They're, he's there to win games. He's not there to caretake for Zach Wilson. Zach Wilson has so much work to do on just learning to be a professional that nobody ha- nobody can instruct, instruct him on how to do it. Nobody can talk to him about how to do it. Nobody, he either has to buy in and follow along and study everything that Aaron Rodgers does and go, yes, sir, no, sir, how do I do this, and practice every bit as hard, work as hard. And if he does anything short of that, he should be gone. And I'm talking about before the season. Don't even waste your time. If he's not fully bought in, he should be like a little puppy following Aaron Rodgers around. And Aaron should never even look back to see if he's there because it's not his job to care about it. It's Zach Wilson's job to care about learning how to be a quarterback in this league, not for him to say, "Oh, somebody please help me out." I mean, shut the hell up with this kid. <laughs> I mean, really, like I, I, you know, he's so unprofessional in how he handles himself and how he handled last year. If I was one of, if I was an offensive lineman, he would have shown up with a black eye at practice one day. Like I just would have beat him that that back he's such a bad teammate and look i'm sure that got close you know based on the reaction of, of some of the offensive linemen the left tackle last year whose you know our name escapes me at the moment but you know like he he's got to grow up never mind having somebody to instruct him that's not aaron Rodgers' job aaron Rodgers is there to go run the team and zach wilson just needs to get in line and learn
1: let me ask you, I don't look at you as a Todd McShay or a Mel Kuyper, but when you look at the quarterbacks that are available in this year's draft, uh, you know some of the mock drafts have uh, Bryce Young from Alabama going to Carolina with the number one pick, and C.J. Stroud of Ohio State going to Houston with the number two pick. We both know that unless you're Trevor Lawrence or somebody, uh, you got a lot – You know, rookie quarterbacks don't lead anybody right away uh what you know about these two quarterbacks who do you think has got the better chance to succeed early
0: that's price young i mean he's played in a pro style offense and he's thrown a lot of balls um like i don't know how many passes 1500 passes at alabama and another you know thousand passes in competitive situations at modern day when he played in high school which is a very good high school program right like That's a quality high school program where he played. Um, So he's closer to being ready to play to walk on and and be ready. You know, his problem is just size and whether you think he's going to last 10 or 12 years in this league and, you know, whether you're even worried about that, you know, at this point in time. Um, Stroud comes from an offense that the transition is going to be a lot harder because it's not as complicated, but he played in a, a relatively sophisticated high school offense. Um, Levis has more experience in a pro style offense as well. Anthony Richardson's the one guy who like has no no experience at all. You know, he's only thrown he's thrown less than I think 400 passes at the college level. And frankly, I know the high school program he went to because my sons both went to the same high school, hmm. and he he went to a terrible high high school in terms of football program. Um, so he didn't throw a whole lot there. He was also hurt when he was high, high school, so he's a total project. Um, now, he's an amazing project because he's an amazing athlete. And, but I'm not sure that Anthony Richardson should get on a field on a serious basis for two years. But in terms of the top-end guys that you asked about, Bryce Young is the, the most ready to play. Um, the question is, look, he's 5'10". He's 200 pounds. Um, mm. And this is, like, your, your guy Parcells, um, you know, he's always famous for saying there's a reason there are weight classes in, in boxing. The bigger man usually wins, and in football, you know, small quarterbacks have a hard time surviving. It's just that's the odds. And Joe Montana was a skinny, was a skinny man. He missed a lot of his career with injuries because he got beat up. Will Anderson
1: might be the best defensive player in this draft again, out of Alabama, who produces defensive players by the dozens. He's projected to go third to Arizona. What's your feeling
0: about him? Like well, he's a great player. I mean, he's ready made. He might have been the number one pick a year ago. I mean, let's just say this: the top three guys in this draft are probably better than the number one guy from last year. You know, Hutchinson. I mean, like, it just they are they're they're better players. Um, so this is a loaded draft. It's a really really good group, um, but. Um, you know, the first two are quarterbacks and they go with going pains. Anderson is the one who's probably the most ready-made to make an impact with a playoff caliber team or take a turn further. Just like, you know, Hutchinson had a big impact on the Detroit defense last year. Now, they weren't great defense, but he had an impact in the style within which they played and helped them become a playoff contender. Not a playoff team, but a playoff contender. And the, probably the best version of the lines that they've had in, what, six, seven years. So you can have that kind of impact if you're Anderson in Arizona. If some things fall right, you know, Kyler Murray's, you know, you get some injury issues with Kyler Murray, obviously, and what they're going to do, a quarterback. But if they get their defense straightened out, they can be more representative team.
1: By the way, as it relates to my guy, Parcells, let me set the record straight. Uh, I will say that he's one of five guys that have crossed my path <laughs> in my life that I will that that have been memorable to me. He's yeah, certainly sure. one of the five. Yeah. Uh, we played golf one day a couple of years ago down in Jupiter, Florida, uh, which is his winter home. And as we're playing, he's getting ready to hit his shot. And I said, let me ask you this. I said, everybody says Parcel said this and Parcel said that. And you know you know oh, what well, your record says you are and uh you know he's not going to Canton and all the other things. I said Bill you're not that smart. Well, I said it at the right time because he whiffed on the shot.
0: <laughs> um, he probably, you know, knowing Parcells with his Jersey side, he probably loved that. Um, <laughs> he probably, he probably mf'd you a couple of times. Oh, afterwards. definitely. Yeah, oh, yeah. But, but, no, but, during, during, right. But but he liked it. You know, like that. That's how Parcells was. He li- he likes people who fight with him. Um, and, and he likes disagreement. Um, I, I just remember there was one time I wrote a story about how, you know, he had told one of the Dolphins assistant coaches um, before a game that Marino was shot toward the end of his career, right? That physically he was done. And I wrote it because I had it from one of the assistant coaches. The next morning I get a call um, on my way to the Dolphins camp and it's Bill Parcells' secretary. Um Calling to get a hold of me, and then Parcells gets on the line, and he proceeds to just rip me. And so <laughs> I said, "And I'm like I'm driving," I said, "Bill, can you wait a second? I need to pull over so I can write all of this down." And he goes, "That's a good idea." <laughs> <laughs> you know what? You know he.
1: You know he had a lot of respect for uh, when I was doing the Jets, and he was the coach of the Jets. Uh, I know who the writer was, but it was one of the beat writers that covered mm-hmm. the Jets. And he asked Parcells a question and Bill barked at him and he stood up there and asked another question and Parcells turned and looked around and I asked him about that after the press conference, he said, you know what, that guy has my respect because he wasn't afraid to ask me a follow-up
0: question after I shot him down. Yeah. That's something, I again, that's the Jersey guy and Parcells. He wants to test. He wants to test you. Everything is a test about you know. Like, are you you're willing to stand in and take it? Or are you willing to stand in and fight? Right? That's that's how Parcells always is. And lot and look, lots of NFL coaches are that way. Few of them are as obvious about it as Bill. Let's just put it that way.
1: Let me ask you one question before I let you go. You're very familiar with the Dolphins situation. A lot of discussion. You know, maybe Lamar Jackson might be a fit there. And, uh, you know, where is Tua right now? What are you
0: hearing? Look, the most important thing with Tua, and the thing that they have to find out, is can he play when the game is off schedule, Right. And what I mean by that is when things don't go exactly right, when the first read is not there, the second read is not there, are you able to think your way through what's then going to happen? Okay. Or, and I always go back to this play. It's a very subtle play, but it happened in a game at San Francisco, right? Where they, the, he, they caught the 49ers with 12 men on the field and the and the defensive lineman it's you know one of those typical ones where the defensive lineman is you know running like crazy to get to the sideline you know basically trying to dive over the you know sideline so that he can not get called for. it. Two gets the line of scrimmage and it's a free play. Right? But he doesn't he, and he and the the lineman is in his field division. And this is the play where Aaron Rodgers goes, okay, snap it, snap it now. Right. Cause I want the free play and we'll just, you know, we'll, we'll play schoolyard and see if I can get a big play or I get the free five yards. So it comes to the line of scrimmage and it's like, he almost waits for the defensive lineman to get off the field so that he can then like run the scripted play. And that's not understanding things change really fast in this league, right? On the field. And, you, the game is going to be unscripted a lot. And I have i don't know, I've always heard plays where, you know, 70% of all plays do not go the way that they're drawn up. And you have to be able to play when the play goes not the way it's drawn up. A, a truly great one can adjust to that and make a big play out of uh, when things are not scripted. He's not at that level. The question is, can he get to that level so that he can produce better as a quarterback, so he can avoid the injuries that he's gotten, so he can, you know, have a, a longer career than he's had. And right now, the answer is no, but they got to play it out for one more year, and then they have to go back into the draft and figure out, or, or you know, they have to eva- evaluate at the end of the year: is Tua the long term answer, or is he not the long term answer? And do they invest in or not? There's a, there's still a growth and progression for Tua because look, he's just. He's not naturally good in those situations. He's not good in the off schedule, you know, off script situation.
1: Well, there's also the concern uh, about you know some of the hits he's taken physically. Well, sure. You know, yeah.
0: Is it? Well, it's all part and parcel, Howard. I mean, yeah. The reason you get hit like that is you're not ready for when it breaks down. Now, Drew Bledsoe wasn't great off script but he was six foot five and 230 pounds so he's a big man right So who is not that so yes when he gets hit it's a big problem for him so if he can be better at getting through the off schedule play maybe the other part of that doesn't happen to him as often um, but you have, you look, you invested a first round pick in this guy. He has won some games for you. He's played well in certain situations that give you hope that he'll get there. And finding another quarterback that easy, like, you know, how long did the Dolphins go from Dan Marino to just having a, a shot at a guy like Tua? Right. There were a lot of mm-hmm. crappy quarterbacks in between that. Do you want to take the chance that you're going to go another 15 years before you find another quarterback who's even as good as Tua?
1: Before well, I let you go, and before you take the trip over the Golden Gate Bridge behind you, I've got my uh, I, I got
0: my I got my toll pass. I'm good.
1: Yeah. Uh, who fits? The, and just just looking at a guess here. It's the end of March. We're not even close to training camp, and so on. Who fits this line? Here's a team that you better watch out for. Give me one or two that you have in your mind right
0: now. Well, we talked about Detroit earlier. They're on the right path. They've got – and and they play the right kind of football for this era in that it it's a power running game to go with a quarterback who's a, a good play-action guy, right? So they're maximizing the quarterback. And if they can get better on defense, I think they're, they'll be much better. Um, I think – let me think about this a little bit. Um, Rams, I think, are just shot. Uh, Look, I think Pittsburgh is a team that probably people aren't talking about because they've got the good running back. If Pickett can become a league average starter to go with that defense. You know, and, and part of this is the offensive line obviously has to improve. The running game's got to get better. But, like, they've got the, a lot of pieces in place. They especially have a lot of place on defense, like with, you know, T.J. Watt, who's an amazing player, if they can keep him on the field. There's a lot there that can take them to being a playoff team, where I think a lot of people are sleeping on Pittsburgh right now thinking, oh, you yeah, know, they're just done. And, and there's reason for that. You know, their offensive line is crappy and the the quarterback play has been really inconsistent really for 2 years now Ben's last year and 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 this year it wasn't very good but it showed signs if Pickett makes a, a big step forward that's a playoff team yeah. um, and and I don't know and I think on the road to rising in the ranks you know the one caveat to that is You know, there's what four good young quarterbacks in the AFC who are clearly better than Pickett right now, with you know Allen and and Herbert and Burrow and Mahomes, Um, and forget about the older guys like Wilson and Rodgers. You know, when he when he gets and when Rodgers gets there, and some of the other guys, but you know he's got. There's a gap between him and that top group of young guys like Allen and, and Mahomes.
1: Appreciate your insight as always, Jason. Thanks a million. You stay safe. Likewise. Thanks, Howard. Take care. He's Jason Cole, a longtime NFL writer. Uh, we crossed paths down in Miami uh, when I was doing the Dolphins games, and he was a writer for the Miami Herald. Uh, I've developed a relationship with a number of writers uh, and broadcasters throughout this country. Uh, some people that I consider to be friends, some people that I consider to be acquaintances, uh, Cole's one of the guys that I consider to be a friend. Uh, the South Florida sports marketplace is built around the Miami Dolphins. Make no mistake about it. It's the Dolphins and everything else. Uh, in Wisconsin, it's the Green Bay Packers and everything else. Yeah, the Milwaukee Bucks are number one in the Eastern Conference in the NBA. Okay. I watched a game last night. I watched Philadelphia and Denver. And when I heard that Embiid and Harden weren't playing, I said, oh, it's gonna be a blowout for Denver. Not a problem. They're number one in the West and they should take them apart. Well, it started out that way. When I tuned in uh, the second time I tuned it in, they were ahead 14 points. I said, ah, it's just, there was five minutes to go. Usually a ton of time in the NBA. Uh, 14 point leads can evaporate in two minutes or less. Well, it started to, and I'm thinking to myself, this is about a Denver team that is very good, very well coached with Michael Malone. In Jokic, they've got a, the MVP candidate again. He's already won it a couple of times. But then you saw the lack of urgency by the Denver Nuggets, and this happens day in and day out in the NBA. I mean, you 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 play three, four games in a week. Can you bring it every night? No. I don't care what anybody says. They say, well, you're a professional. You should bring it every night. Well, you know, that's easier said than done. You talk about getting on the floor night in and night out. And the NBA has the best conditioned athletes in sports, period. You see superstar players like LeBron James, who finally came back the other night after missing 14 games or 13 games, whatever it was. LeBron James, to me, is often criticized, often praised. He's still the player you want on your team because he does care about winning. His teammate, Anthony Davis, same thing. Uh, they lost the game the other night. They should have won. Anthony Davis, and I'm not criticizing him. He's not the reason why they lost. But had he brought it the way he knew, normally brings it game in and game out, they win that game. They didn't. And it was a costly loss. And so now here they are in a situation, six games to play, They really have to win five if they will have any thoughts about making the playoffs. Now, if they win four, maybe they're going to be a play-in team. We'll see. But, you know, they got to play Chicago Bulls uh, again. And the Bulls beat them the other night. Surprising, but true. They beat them in in LA. Whole specter of sports right now. And I've been around it a long time. That doesn't mean I know everything. Just mean I've I've observed everything the baseball season starts today. When I was a kid, when I was in my teens, I was a huge baseball fan. There wasn't anybody bigger in baseball in terms of their fan support than me. I played the game. Played the game in Sandlot Ball, played the game in high school. Not good enough to play beyond that, but so what? The fact is I knew the game. Played with a lot of really good players. Recently, A guy who I didn't play with him, but I did play with his brother. And we're talking about the passing of Joe Pepitone. Joe Pepitone was a terrific fielding first baseman for the New York Yankees. He wound up with the Cubs. Joe Pepitone's a New York guy. I'll take you back to the parade grounds in Brooklyn. First time I saw Joe Pepitone. He played for a team called Nathan's Famous. You remember Nathan's? You know what that is? It's like the best known hot dog in the world. They played in Marine Park in Brooklyn. I didn't get to see Joe until he came to play a game at the parade grounds in Brooklyn against the Brooklyn Cadets, where a guy named Joe Torrey was on that team. So I saw two eventual major league players playing on the field in my neighborhood. Now, I had just played at Diamond number 2 earlier in the day at 9 o'clock in the morning, got done by 11, ran over to the number 1 field, the fenced-in Diamond, and got to, wait, got to watch two really good teams, two really great players. And that, that was a great memory to me. That was baseball then. It was fun. It was my life. But now I'm looking at baseball, and it's troubling to me. It is. Here we got the opening of baseball season today. It's not the number one thought in my mind. just got through with Jason Cole talking about the National Football League. They're not even close to going to training camp. Baseball starts today. The NBA is six games away from going to the playoffs. And I'm not talking about baseball. as my number one thought. That's sad. Because it was America's pastime. Once upon a time. I don't see that anymore. If you look at the television ratings, the NFL is number one. Hands down. After that, I don't know. I have to go do some digging. But quick story before I leave as it relates to Joe Pepitone. When Joe played for the Yankees, his brother, Billy, uh, Billy Pepitone, also a first baseman, was my teammate uh, in the American Legion baseball. We had a championship game in, at the parade grounds in Brooklyn. And we're in the locker room before the game. And who walks in but Joe? Now, Joe was always a flashy guy. He comes in wearing yellow pants, white loafers, and an orange shirt. And his famous hair was all teased up. He came in. He said, guys, I'm coming here to Root John. Don't tell anybody I'm here. (laughs) I looked up and I said, Joe, you're wearing green pants, an orange shirt, and the sunglasses with the hairdo. And you're concerned about people not recognizing you? Seriously? So he laughed. We all laughed. We wound up winning the game. Uh, Just when Joe was playing, he had a night game with the Yankees, so he had time to come see a day game uh, in the parade grounds in Brooklyn. It was a memorable moment. I thought about that the other day when, when Pepitone passed away. He was an icon in
0: Brooklyn. Everybody knew him. Everybody knew Joe Torre. One thing about growing up in Brooklyn, everybody
1: says they're from there. Neil Dunn, Barbara Streisand, Gabe Kaplan from Welcome Back, Cotter It's just interesting to, to make a, a note of, of all of these guys and women that have come out of Brooklyn. they a big deal. It's probably the one place where everybody says they are from there or they want to be from there. Maybe not the case, but it's my hometown. I'm proud of it. Stay safe, everybody. Thanks for being a part of Howard David Live. And you have a good day.